Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and I'm so grateful that you've tuned in today to our website to hear this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus. I believe it's going to be a a blessing to you as we have instruction from God's Word uh, of how to please Him, how to serve Him, how to obtain His favor, His blessing upon our life. For the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and He addeth no sorrow with it. And the riches I'm talking about go far beyond the silver and the gold that the world uh, esteems so highly. This is being right with God. This is obtaining His His favor upon our life. His peace reigning in our hearts and in our minds. (laughs) Having peace with God and obtaining therefore the peace of God. What, What price peace. Oh, there's so many messages in in just being right with God. We say it often in our congregation. They're used to me saying this and they finish the sentence. There's nothing wrong. And our congregation replies with getting right with God. That message is needed now more than ever, for we're living in the last of the last days. We're living in the end times described in Scripture. These are the beginning of sorrows that we are seeing. The end is not yet, but it is near. Jesus is coming very, very soon. The message we have today is important to all Christians everywhere, and not just this listening audience right now, but globally, worldwide. I believe God's going to take it worldwide because it is so necessary, not just through me, but through others who uh, who will also speak by the Holy Spirit that we might hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God wants to get a bride ready. <laughs> Hallelujah for the for the coming of His Son, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 50 in the Old Covenant to begin with. Psalm 50 in the Old Covenant. While you're turning to Psalm 50, I want to thank you for tuning in once again. I want to thank you for our listening. Listeners in Tennessee who listen by phone and by by their computer, however you're receiving uh, this broadcast, we know you're there and we thank God for you. We have some people listening in Arizona. We thank you. We have people listening in New York State and we thank you. And I could go on and on. We have a pastor who listens from Africa and we welcome you today. And I like I say, the list goes on and on and and I'm going to miss someone. These are just folks we've heard recently from. I know there are many we may never hear from till we get to heaven. But if you would like to contact us and let us know what this broadcast means to you, we're not going to flood you with mail or requests. We promise not to do that. But we want you to know if our our address of our headquarters is simply Robert A. Venable. You can put the reverend on or the pastor on or pastor evangelist, but it's Robert A. Venable. And the name of our our church, part of Independent Assemblies of God International, is the Holy Church of God Incorporated. And the address is 14. 
1812 East Francis with an E, Francis Street. Oh, I'm sorry, they changed it. Francis Avenue, Plant City, Florida, 33563. If you would like to contact us, we would be so happy to hear from you today. Thank God for you once again joining us. If you uh, want to be a media missionary, tell someone about these teachings because they are vitally important to we who are living in the last of the last days. God doesn't want us to be victims. He wants us to be victors in this very time that we might be witnesses unto him and for him. Praise God. Amen. We're going to ask a question in the title of this teaching. Has judgment come to God's house? Not is it coming, will it come, but has it come? Is there a precedent for God judging his people. I don't mean in the new covenant sense of where we spend eternity. I mean, does God judge his people in terms of corrective judgments that he might bring us back to himself if we are drifting away? Does he judge us by not answering prayers until there is true repentance on our behalf? And that is the question that we are going to ask in Psalm 15 as we begin to read. Uh, Before we read Psalm 50 and get some of these principles from that of, of how to, does God judge his people in fact, and if he does, how can we truly get right with him and have that reconciled relationship personally and practically, not just positionally through the blood of Jesus, but individually in our walk with him that we might walk pleasing to the Lord and obtain his favor. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this message, even though the message of repentance seems to be a lost message and the message of God judging. It seems like in many circles, people do not believe anymore that God judges anyone for anything and nothing could be farther from the truth. And and I want to start with a new covenant scripture before we read portions of Psalm 50. Listen to 1 Peter 4 and verse 17. He says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? You see, friend, because judgment begins at the house of God, that's where repentance should also begin. In order to escape the, the judgments and, and to regain God's favor and God's blessing. I've often said it. Uh, there, why did we put such a negative spin on repentance when it brings reconciliation and restored blessing? Being covenant children of God never excludes us from His correction or His chastisement. Rather, it absolutely ensures it and demands it. You know, the New Testament says, faint not when you're 
chastened of him. This is, this is corrective judgment of God's people. Faint not when that occurs. It's not because he wants to hurt us or harm us. He wants to bring us close to himself to keep us safe. He wants to bless us. He wants to hear when we cry. He wants to answer our prayer. Listen to me carefully. If we be without chastisement, the scripture is clear. We do not belong to him. We can't call him father. For he chastens every son that he loves and scourges every one that he receives. God's judgments in terms of correction in our lives is, is, is showing absolutely that we belong to him. Having a father in heaven doesn't mean we have a, we have a Santa Claus figure in the skies and we come to pray. My name is, and if your name's Jimmy, please forgive me. I'm just rhyming here a little bit today. My name is Jimmy. I want all your gimme. That is not the way we pray. We pray to a, a father that we worship, hallowed be thy name, and thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We bow before we believe. Praise God, oh friend. But it's such, such a needful message today. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Listen to me carefully today. Amen. As we read from Psalm 50 on the theme, Has Judgment Come to God's House? Listen to Psalm 50. And let's read through verse 6. It says, The Mighty One, the God God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Out of Zion the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge, wait, his people? Seriously? Is that correct? Gather my saints together unto me, verse 5 says. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. This is covenant people. Let the heavens declare his righteousness. For, for God himself is judge. God himself is judge. This psalm opens majestically with the three names of God in quick succession. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, El Elohim, Yahweh. In other words, wake up. The boss is coming. We'd better pay attention. The Lord is about to address creation, and He summons it, heaven and earth, into His presence. In the next verses, a great judgment scene is set up until we find in verse 4 who He's about to judge. And <laughs> it's a surprise, isn't it? Although the heavens and earth have been summoned, they are not the ones under his direct spotlight at this time. Look at verse 4. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. And that's how it is with God. He always judges his people first because his people are supposed to be setting the standard 
for the rest. God's people, those whom he hath revealed himself, ought to know better than anyone how to please him. And from the fund manager that is given millions of dollars to invest to the teenager that is entrusted with the keys to the family car, privilege always brings responsibility. God's people have the highest privilege in the world. And how are we going to respond to be be called the very sons of God and heirs of God and ambassadors of Christ and representation of, of His kingdom upon this earth? Well, the rest of the psalm shows us some of the abuses that they had in that time. And, oh, it's so familiar you know, flesh hasn't changed. The world really has changed in many ways, but the wickedness in it and the evil in it and the, the, the tendency of man uh, to, to fall into the traps of sin have not changed. And when we find uh, God's people finding themselves drifting from Him, disobeying Him and displeasing Him, we also find His call to them to return to me. So I can return to you. Does God, in fact, judge his people? Let me lead you, read you a scripture from Isaiah chapter 58. Listen to what he tells Isaiah 58 verse 1 through 3. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Then why, they ask in verse 3, have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen. We've afflicted our souls and you take no notice. They're accusing God of not being faithful without questioning their own faithfulness to God. It is the nature of our flesh to not have a healthy self uh, self judgment. You know the Bible said if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged because we would find a place that we needed to repent. We would find something that we need to get right with God. David asked for it. He said, search me, O Lord, and see if there's an unclean way in me. Am I missing something? I fell into the trap of sin. It almost destroyed me. Oh, God, you do the searching. You bring it to the surface. I want to be truly right with you. Praise God. You know, there's a scripture we quote very often, and it involves uh, repentance, turning as God's people to Him, not just praying for the lost world, but praying that we be right so that God cannot just answer to heal our land, but begin the healing through His own covenant people. Hallelujah. Amen. If my people, which are called by my name, amen, it begins at God's house. It begins with God's covenant people. If my people which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their 
wicked way. I will hear from heaven. They're asking him here, why have we fasted? You haven't heard. We prayed. You haven't listened. It involves humility on our part. It involves repentance on our part. Not faith standing alone without these serious matters of the heart. You see, God looks on the outward appearance. I mean, man looks on the outward appearance, God said, but I look directly and distinctly upon the heart. So it's important today that we see that God judges in the new covenant. Some people just say, well, that's old covenant, pastor. That's old covenant. We're in the new covenant. Well, let's go to the new covenant. Revelation chapter 2. And let's see if God is judging his people uh, in terms of of pointing out what is wrong and calling them to repentance and 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 sending corrective judgment if they do not repent. It says to the angel of the church or messenger or leader of the church of Ephesus write these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands or candlesticks in the King James. It's lampstands, oil-fired, this lampstand. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say you are apostles, they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do your first works, or else, here's the judgment, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Oh, friend of mine, this is something that is intolerable to God. And he said, if you don't repent, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to let you just go on. Your, your witness for me, your influence for me, your testimony, your lampstand, that that gives light and dispels the darkness is going to be removed. All right, let's look at the angel of the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things say the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet is fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel. We're talking about false teachers here. And this this name Jezebel that goes back to the Old Testament, wicked wife of the king, listen to me carefully, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, here's the judgment. I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds 
and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Friend of mine, this causes me great concern today. Because I know that judgment begins at the house of God. And I believe that judgment has come to the house of God. Because Jesus is coming soon. And He's not coming for a church that is perverted and polluted. He's coming for a church that is pure. Not perfect, but but pure and sincere. Listen to me carefully. He loved the church and He washed it and cleansed it with the washing of water by the Word that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot nor blemish nor wrinkle, that it, but that it should be holy. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 14 of Revelation 3. Does God judge His people? Does He judge His church correctively? to perfect us and to protect us? Absolutely. It says unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I, wi- I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew you out in the King James. This is the new King James. It says, I will vomit you. And that is exactly what spewed you out. It doesn't mean to spit you out. It means literally that it makes someone so sick that they throw up. And he says unto them, I counsel you to buy me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich in white garments. Here's that righteousness. Nothing wrong with getting right with God that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. See what? See their own need to be right with God. You know, he's knocking on the door of a church here. It begins with, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, oh, I'll come in. Listen to me carefully. Amen. And, and well, that's where we are. Verse tw- As many as I love, in verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. This is the judgment I'm talking about that begins at the house of God. Therefore, be zealous. And repent. (laughs) Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice. This is Holy Ghost conviction. Christ standing at the door. Generally, we use this scripture for the world and the lost and the sinner. But this is a church, dear friend. And where does judgment first begin? Does it begin with the world? Does it begin with the lost? No, it begins with His covenant children. His own people. The question that is asked that I'm trying to answer biblically today with the help of the Holy Spirit is has judgment come to God's house? Not will it come, absolutely, but has it come? Is it occurring as we're speaking? Are there churches and church organizations that are so compromised that they're losing their lampstand? Are there churches that are allowing 
not only permitting but 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 promoting false doctrine knowing that it will bring god's judgment in the present tense, not not at the great white throne for the lost or at the bema, the judge, uh, judgment seat of Christ for the saved, but is beginning now. Is it happening right now? Oh, friend of mine, we had such an anointed service not so long ago, and one of the questions that was put to us is, what is it going to take to wake us up? so that we will come before the Lord, so He can protect us, amen, in this last very dangerous day that we are living in. Oh, don't run from Him. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. Hallelujah. You know, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and when the righteous runneth into it, we find ourselves safe. Praise God. Amen. Listen to this. In, in the book of, of Psalm, Psalm 50, in the next verses, a great judgment scene is set up. Verse 4, he said, He's called heaven and earth together that he may judge his people. And that's how it always is with God. Well, the rest of the psalm begins to show us not only why He has come to judge them, but how willing He is. Oh, friend of mine, how willing He is to restore a reconciled relationship when we repent. Return unto Me. And what will He do? He says, I will return unto you. And the first thing that they were having trouble with him with was because they had chosen ritual rather than relationship. Let's read 7 through 15 of Psalm 50. Hear, O my people. He's reiterating, this is his people. And I will speak. New Testament carries that 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 same uh, connotation. It says in the book of Revelation, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will, I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull. See, he's saying, but I won't receive them. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your fold. For every beast of the field is mine, and the cattle of a thousand, <laughs> hallelujah, of a thousand hills. I know the birds of the mountains, verse 11, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine in all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving. Pay your vows to the Most High. Call and then, oh, and then, verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I know you've heard that verse. Many people pull it out of the context and just try to claim the text. 
But we need to keep it in the context because he said the reason I'm not listening and the reason you're not blessed and the reason you are not living in the victory that I have promised you and provided for you is because you have chose ritual over relationship. God is upset with them because they are, he's not upset because they are slack in their religious activities. On the contrary, see, this is the problem. It's hard to get people who are very, very committed to keeping their religious rituals to realize the need for repentance. They think that message is not for us, does not pertain to us, and yet Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, to repent. (laughs) And then he talks about the blessing and the restoration that will follow. Verse 8 says, I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices, your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. These are busy, see, and devoted religious people offering God sacrifice after sacrifice according to what he has prescribed. But all these sacrifices are unwanted gifts. The Lord says in verse 9, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. He already owns it all. All the animals, all the cattle, all the birds, they're his already. What's the point of the people offering yet another sacrifice? And so it was for these people and God. They brought him sacrifices, but he wanted their hearts. You know, we had a singing group come to our church years ago, and they sung a song that I never forgot. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your money. I want your life. Oh, friend, I want to say that again. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your money. I want your life. You see, when God has your heart, He has your everything. They somehow got the idea that God depended on their activity in sacrificing to Him. This is the point that the Lord is making. In verse 12, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. God does not need us. Even if He could be hungry, He would not turn to us, He says. People had lost themselves in religious activity, frantically feeding this God who does not need to be fed, and completely neglecting their relationship to Him and with Him. They were busy bringing Him gifts, but they completely forgotten to love Him and devote themselves to Him. And that's the first danger to avoid. Are we so busy trying to please God that we find ourselves never really getting to know God and to love God. If we believe our standing with God depends in any way on the quantity of our own efforts in and of themselves religiously and ritualistically, we're falling into the same trap they did. God requires not ritual, but a relationship. Amen. Praise God. Listen very carefully today as we close this broadcast. I believe that judgment has indeed come to the house of God. There are whole denominations that one time believed
the word of God, adhered to it, taught it, and obeyed it, that have cast it aside. And now the culture has entered into the church and shaping the church instead of the church impacting the culture. And there are those who are following blindly the blind. The Bible said if the blind lead the blind, they will all fall into the ditch together. This is not a time to find the easy road. This is not a time to get on the broad way that leads to destruction. This is time to do as the prophet of old said, stand in the gates and call for the old pathways wherein is the good way and say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Straight is the gate, narrow the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. I'm one of those few and the few is growing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because many are coming to Christ. God is preparing their hearts for the salvation and the security and safety of having a Father in heaven. A high priest interceding for us and the Holy Spirit with us every step of the way. Oh, friend, don't run from Him. If you don't know Him, run to Him. And if you do know Him, run to Him. Because many are drifting. And let's get ready. The bridegroom is coming very soon. And would you come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.